1991 in uh, Carolina, there was a big banquet that was held to honor uh, Billy Graham. You know who Billy Graham is, right? The beloved evangelist and, and preacher. And there was, this, there was this banquet held to honor him. And at the end of the banquet, they said, do you have any words that you'd like to say? And he said, you know, today I'm reminded of Albert Einstein, the, the great physicist. And he was on a train headed from Princeton. And the conductor was coming through his train car collecting tickets. And he gets to Albert Einstein, who looks in his vest pocket and can't find the ticket. So he looks in his pants, and he can't find the ticket. He looks in the seat next to him, and he opens up his brief, briefcase. He can't find it. And the conductor just looks at him, and he says, I know who you are, Dr. Einstein. We all do. I'm sure you bought a ticket. It's fine. So Einstein nods. Thank you. you know, and uh, he continues to walk through the car collecting tickets. And when he gets to the end of that car, he, he turns around and looks. He's about to exit and go into the next car, and he sees... Dr. Einstein, the great physicist, on his hands and knees underneath of his seat looking for his ticket. And so he goes running back over and he says, Dr. Einstein, please get up off the floor. I know who you are. It's fine. I'm sure you got a ticket. And he said, son, I know who I am too. I just don't know where I'm going. (laughs) And uh, so Billy Graham continued and he said, "Uh, you see this... Today, I'm wearing this suit. Uh, my kids have been telling me that I've been dressing rather slovenly lately. I used to be a little more fastidious, but uh, so I decided to go out and buy a suit for two occasions. One, today for this banquet, and secondly, I'm going to be buried in this suit. And the day that I die, I want you to know something. I don't want you to think about this suit, but I do want you to remember this day, and I want you to know that I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. You see, Billy Graham spent his entire life trying to help people understand where it is that they would be going when they leave this earth and when they leave this life. That's what he spent his life doing, was helping people understand where they're going. And he was saying, I know, because I know who I am, I also know where it is that I'm going to spend eternity. You know, when it comes to the question of the afterlife and where we spend eternity, it's been the question that the church has tried to help people answer for hundreds of years. Here in America, the church for hundreds of years has tried to help people People answer this one question, where are you going to go when you die? You know, what's going to happen to you when you die? And that's been a big question, but something has changed in the last 20 to 30 years. It's not that that question has diminished. It's not that people don't want to know what's going to happen to them when they die. It's not that death doesn't hold fear to it anymore. It's not that that's not a concern for people, but there's another question that's taken precedent. There's another question, a prior question that people have really started to wonder about. And the question is not first where I'm going. The question is, who am I? You see, the deeper question that people have really started to say is, it doesn't really matter where I'm going to go after I die if I don't know who I am or what I'm here for right now. And this is the question that is the question that people are begging for the church to answer right now. Who am I? Who am I? If I were to ask you right now, who are you? You'd tell me your name. And so if I walk up and I say, hey, who are you? You're Todd. There you go. You have a name. Jesus had a name. That's what we talked about this week. Jesus had a name like us. You know, and if I pressed you a little bit more and I said, well, tell me more about yourself. No, like, who are you? You might tell me your occupation. You might tell me what school you're in, what class you're in. You might tell me what town you're from, what country you're from, what you're into, what your nicknames are. You see this whole thing here? It was built by a few of the people in church. The guy who kind of headed it up was Mr. Matt sitting here in the back who's running the screens. He does all sorts of stuff like this. 
he loved mustard when he was a kid, and uh, all, the, all the kids in his class used to call him Mr. Mustard Matty. That was his name. You know, that's like an identity. And that's, we get nicknames. You know, we get nicknames. Things that we like kind of identify who we are. You know, and, and we get nicknames, and, we, and people look at us certain ways, and they start to identify us. So if I say, who are you? We think about how people see us, and that is who we are. I'm who people think I am. You know, I have this name. I'm from this country. Whoever they think I am, I guess that's who I am. And we begin to think that's who we are. But if I ask you even more deeper, who really are you? Who are you? You see, Jesus, he had a name and he had a hometown and he had all of those things. But before he had that, Jesus lived for eternity past. He's been God forever. He's always been God. He's been the son of the eternal father God. And Jesus came down to earth. And he emptied himself and he took on the form of a human. And the reason is because we got out of touch with our own identity. We lost touch with dad, our father. And because of that, that father sent his only begotten son, Jesus, down to earth to take on the form of a human identity like us so that he could bring us back to the father. And so he had a name like us. He had a church like us. He had a hometown like us and all of those things. But watch what happens. Jesus, by the age of 12 starts to realize that that identity, this name that he has like everyone else has a name, and this hometown that he has like everyone else has a hometown, that that's not really the deepest part of who he is. See what happens, here's how the story goes. You heard it read earlier. He, he goes down to Jerusalem. He's an Israelite in the nation of Israel. We're all part of uh, America, you know, we're U.S. citizens. He was an Israelite. He was a Jew who was an Israelite. And the capital of, of Israel was Jerusalem, and they lived up in the north in Nazareth. And each year they would take a pilgrimage, a trip, down to the, the capital city, Jerusalem, to celebrate Passover. You know what Passover is? Passover was the celebration of when Israel got taken up out of Egypt. They used to be slaves in Egypt, and they were... They were uh, driven by the Egyptians, and they had no freedom of their own. But God brings them up out of Egypt, and the way he does it is he punishes the Egyptians with ten plagues for things that, were, that, that they were doing that were inappropriate. But on the last plague, what happened was, is he was going door to door, and people were dying because of their sin, because of their separation from God. And what he told the Israelites was this. He said, if you will take a lamb, and you will take a sacrificial lamb and you will put the blood on your doorway, then when I come, when the wrath of God, the punishment of God comes, it'll skip over your doorway. It will pass over. And so what happened was, is God passed over the doorway of the Israelites, of, of the Jews. And, and that morning when they woke up, death had not visited their door. And God brought them up out of Egypt. Now this is the Passover that they celebrate. And so every year they would go down to Jerusalem where the temple was, where they worshiped Yahweh, Jehovah, the true God, the only God, the God we still worship today. And what they would do is they would again have the sacrifice. The lamb would be sacrificed on behalf of their own sin. Okay? And then they would celebrate that. They would celebrate God's freedom for them and the forgiveness for them and his punishment passing over them. And they would celebrate it. Now at the end of the Passover, they all head back up to Nazareth like a big group of them, the whole family, the whole tribe, and they're headed back north, and they get about a day into the journey, and Mary decides that it's time for her to, to get Jesus to come hang out in their tent. So she goes over to like a cousin or something and says, hey, um, can you tell Jesus it's time to come home? We made a special dinner for him. This is kind of, you know, I'm taking liberties a little bit, adding to the story. Um, this is a little Hollywood action going on with it. And so her cousins basically say, well, Jesus isn't with us. And Mary says, I thought he was... 
huh, maybe I was confused. Maybe it was the other cousin. So she goes over to her other cousin and she says, so is Jesus with you? And they say, no. And Mary starts to get a little worried. So now she starts running around to all of her friends and family and no one has, has Jesus. And what's more is no one has seen Jesus since Jerusalem. So her and Joseph do a big U-turn and it must have been legal back then. And so they, they did the U-turn and they go back toward Jerusalem and, and they're in a panic, you know. And they finally get back to Jerusalem and it was a day's journey up and a day's journey back and it's been two days. Now they're looking all around and the next day they're looking everywhere. It's been three days since they've seen their 12-year-old son. And they're looking all over the capital city for him. And they come into the temple, in the temple courts. And wouldn't you know it, here is this little bugger. You know, he's sitting. Are you allowed to say that about Jesus? And here he is sitting in a circle with the religious leaders, with the teachers and the priests. And he's having conversations with them. And, and the religious leaders are totally like, their minds are blown. They're like, this guy's like a little prodigy. It's unbelievable. He has so much wisdom. And they're sitting there interacting with him. Mary's not impressed. Mary comes up and it's like she grabs him by the cheeks and she's like, what are you doing to us? We've been worried sick about you. I thought you'd be in a, in a ditch somewhere crying, starving to death, looking for us. And here you are having a conversation, not even knowing that, that you know, we're not here. What are you doing? What are you trying to do to us? We're your father and your mother. Don't you love us? You know, and, and we're headed up to our hometown. Why did you do this to us? And you see Jesus in, in this most innocent picture. He turns around and he looks back at his mother. And, and this is really important to catch because in the entire scripture, these are the first words that you see Jesus speak. The very, if you have a, a red letter Bible, if the letters of Jesus are in red, these are the first red letters in the scripture, okay? And this is what it says. He says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? The innocence of a 12-year-old boy who just found his identity. You see, they didn't understand. The scriptures tell us that they didn't understand. What, what are you talking about? All right, fine, whatever. At least we found you, you know? And they take, but then it says that he went down from there with them to Nazareth. He went down to Nazareth with them from there. Now, this is really peculiar because Nazareth, where's Nazareth in the country? North or south? North. And it says he went down with them to Nazareth, but it's up. Why is it saying he went down? Well, it might be because he was up on the Temple Mount and they had to go down. I don't know. But it seems like maybe there's some metaphor here. You see, Jesus came from heaven and he came down to earth. And for all of eternity, his identity was that he was the son of God. But then he had to become the son of Mary and Joseph for us. But when he was 12 years old and he got back to Jerusalem and he got to the house of God, he realized that this was more home than Nazareth was because he was in the house of his dad. And even at 12 years old, he started to feel at home again because he realized that he had a higher identity. Who he was wasn't who they saw him to be. Who he was was who he saw him to be. And so for a moment, for three days, as he's in the temple interacting with these people, he started to realize who he really was. But then when his parents found him, well, it says that he went down with them to Jerusalem. He came down from his true identity and came back down into the identity of how it is they see him. And it says, and he obeyed them. Again, he took on the form of a servant and he submitted to them. Isn't that a beautiful picture? 
And he takes on, okay, this is who they know me to be, the little 12-year-old Jesus. You know, but in his mind, he knew something had changed. He had just encountered home, the deep home. So let me ask you, who are you? Not who do people see you as, not who do you try to be, not who have people, what, what have people called you or what do people see when they look at you, but who are you? At the deepest part, who are you? A few years later, Jesus has started his ministry and he tells this wonderful story. And it's a story about another son who separated from his parents. Except this son, when he was separated from his parents, it wasn't because he was finding God. As a matter of fact, it's a parable of the prodigal son. And the father in this story is actually God. And what the prodigal son does is he has this relationship with his dad. He works on the farm, but he doesn't like working on the farm because working on the farm is boring. And I don't like just submitting to dad. I want to do things my own way. And so what he does is he gets his cut of the money and he goes and he takes off and he parties and he buys all the latest toys and he has a great time and he's going to define who he is. He's going to figure out who he is. He's going to sow his wild oats. And he gets all these friends and they love him and they hang around him and they have a great time. And then what happens? The money runs out. And as soon as the money runs out, who he thought he was no longer works anymore because everyone saw him a certain way until the money was gone. And then they all bounced, you know, they all took off and they all took off and the party was over and here he is and he's looking around and he's like, I thought I was something special. I thought I was a rock star. You know, I thought my life was great. And now all of a sudden I have nothing. And he remembers and he says, I remember back at my dad's house. It, It was awesome back there, you know? And I had, my belly was full and I knew who I was. And even the servants of my dad who just worked for him, their life was so much better than me. I'm going to go home. And so he goes home and, and he's, he's preparing the speech in his mind. And he's going to say, dad, I know I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I decided not to be your son anymore. I went my own way. But could you at least hire me on your farm so that I can eat and have a decent life? But his dad sees him in the distance. And his dad comes running from the house and he grabs him and he embraces him. And he says, I love you, son. And he takes a a robe and he wraps the robe around his son and he takes a ring and he puts the ring on the finger and he throws this huge party for his son. You know, and he has this big feast and he brings his son back home. Who is he? He's the son of his father. For each one of us, we search for identity. We search to figure out who we are. Sometimes we try to be successful, we try to be beautiful, we try to be funny, we try to be intelligent, we try to be a good artist or musician, or, or we try to be the good parent or the religious person or whatever it is, and we find ways of defining ourselves because that's how people see us and that's how it's easy to try to identify ourselves. But underneath of it, God has created us. And he has a name for us. And he has a design for us. And he knows exactly who we are. But what happens is, we're just like that son. And we've gone our own way and formed our own identity. And then when, the, when, when everything doesn't work out, and there's still this level of emptiness, you know what happens? We look back at God and we say, I've blown it. I'm not really his child anymore. You know? And he doesn't really like me anymore. But listen, this is how it all changes. I want you to listen in. You remember what happened to Jesus? He came in as a 12-year-old on the day of Passover, and he goes to the temple in Jerusalem. 21 years later, 
Same time, same day, Jesus is back in Jerusalem. 21 years later, it's Passover. Passover's coming. This time, the religious leaders who he was talking with and having the discussion in the temple and they were so amazed that he was a child prodigy, now they hate him. You know why they hate him? They hate him because they're threatened by him, because they can't keep up, because their own identities have been formed around being the top shelf religious people and they look at him as a threat. And now 21 years later at Passover, Jesus comes back to the same spot and this time there won't be a lamb that will be sacrificed on behalf of Jesus and his people. This time Jesus will be the sacrificial lamb and those people who were impressed with him will now nail him to a cross. And his parents, three days later when he was a boy, they find him alive in the temple and it's this great moment. And three days after he dies in that, on that cross, they will find him alive again. And what Jesus tells us is this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, nobody comes to the Father except by me. See, Jesus knew his identity. His identity was he was the eternal son of God. And yet he came and took on a human identity in order that we could regain our identity with God. We could again become the children of God. John 1.12 says this, For those who received him, to those who believe in his name, he has given them rights to be called children of God. So let me ask you again, who are you? You are are a son or daughter of the living God if, in fact, you will trust Jesus with your life. See, many of us are like the prodigal son. And we've gone our own way, and we've decided we'll do things our own way. But Jesus says he's the only way. He's the only truth, and he's the only life. And Jesus, when he comes down and he takes on this human identity so he can die on that cross, the Passover lamb for us, so that God's wrath and judgment and punishment passes over us, we can enter back into the relationship with him now. If we will but just trust Jesus with our life, if we will trust Jesus as the punishment for our sins, and if we will also trust him as the way back to the Father. And so the question has been for many, many years for some of us and for the church at large, where are we going? Billy Graham says, I know where I'm going. I know who I am. And I want to ask you today, do you know where you're going? Do you know who you are? Not who we all think you are, but who he sees you as. And when we begin to know how he sees us and we trust, things change. The apostle Paul said this. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But the life I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God. You see, what happened is he's like, there's no longer Paul. There's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. There is only Christ in all and above all. You see, this is how it works. There is no longer Tim or Jeff or Amy or, or Julio or Prashant. There, there is none of us. All there is is Jesus. And when I try to figure out who I am by making Tim something special, what I'm saying is, is that I should be able to be impressive to you or to God or to anyone else. And God's not impressed. Not at all. There's one who he's impressed with. 
And it's the one who died and took our identity down into the grave with him. And when he rose up, there's only one left. There's Jesus. And we're told that if we will receive him, then we can become members of the body of Christ. And so when the father looks lovingly at his son and embraces his son, he's embracing us. He's not impressed with us, but he's always so impressed with Jesus. And we have the ability to die with Christ, to let go of our own efforts, our own identity, and to join now in submission to Jesus, taking our rightful place as heirs in the kingdom of God. That's who we are. We are sons and daughters of the living God if we trust Jesus. We are members of the body of Christ not by anything that we do. It is not by, by works of our own that we are saved, but it is by grace through faith in Christ. And so I, you, you come today, and there's a wonderful opportunity for us to re-engage in relationship with God. At Parker Ford Church, we say that we are PFC, a people following Christ. That's what we are. We follow Christ because we don't live for our own anymore. We live for Christ because that's what our true identity is. That's what we were created for. That's who we are, people following Christ. And when we follow Christ, we say that there's three directions that he calls us to follow him. Church, what directions are they? Up, in, and out. He calls us up, in, and out. We go up to communicate with God. In prayer and worship, we relationally connect with God. In, we read the scriptures and they transform our lives and teach us how to live. We go out and we serve the way that he's called us to serve and engage with the people he's called us to engage in. We follow Christ. We're a people following Christ up, in, and out, and we do it together. We're not just people following Christ. We're a people following Christ. Our identity is this. Who are you? You are part of the family of God. That is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, it's been a great week here at VBS. It's been, I I just want to say to you parents, I really appreciate you taking trust in us, trusting us with your kids to educate them for a week. You know, That's, that's a real privilege for us. It takes a lot of trust to allow your kids to come to a place and to learn. And I appreciate the fact that you've entrusted us in that way throughout the week. Kids, you've been awesome. You've been awesome all week. You've been great through the message here, sitting quietly. Thank you. You guys have done great all week long. And uh, staff, it was wonderful. Dave was awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave. We really appreciate it. And all glory to God, it was an awesome week. Now, I want to share one last thing with you, okay? If you've never entered into that relationship with God, if you don't know what that looks like, if you've never died with Christ and risen with him, if your identity is still fixed in how others see you or or what it is you're trying to accomplish, today is a day where it's time for you to just receive Christ. It's time to receive him as Lord of your life and as Savior. Feel free to do that today. If you want to talk to me or talk to Josh, please feel free to come talk to us. This room right here, On the side is our prayer room. During the last song or after the service, if you want to pray with someone about that, we always have someone after the service in there to pray with. Feel free to go in there and and pray. Uh, Pastor Josh will be in there. You can pray with him. And uh, and, uh, we would love to walk you into that relationship with God. If you haven't released your identity, personal identity, and grabbed a hold of who you were actually meant to be, today's the day. This isn't a sales job. I'm not on commission. So... (laughs) 
you know, I don't get anything for you uh, stepping into a relationship with God except this, another brother or sister joining the family, which is always a huge blessing for us. If you uh, are here today and you don't have a local church yet and uh, you're connected here for the first time, we'd love to see you around or have a conversation with you um, and, and get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we just, we just want to give God honor and glory for everything that happened this week. It was a great week. It's a really good week. After we're done here, we're going to be having kind of a party out back. There's going to be food back here that you can eat, and it's going to be a, a lot of fun today. But with all the festivities and all the fun, there's one thing to remember. Who you are and where you're going. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you know. It matters whether you know Jesus. If you don't know him yet, make sure of it today, okay? He's right there for you, and he loves you, and we do too. Let's pray.